Hi, it's Shana here. Before this episode starts, I'm popping in with a quick reminder about our upcoming CEU on Thursday, May 16th on a person-centered approach to behavior management. School taught us a lot about ABA. However, the thing with ABA is that it's a science and it's constantly evolving. So a lot of what we learned back then doesn't always apply now. Today, we want to use a person-centered approach to behavior management, um, but what does that look like and how can our learners still make progress in this kind of approach? So join us live on Thursday, May 16th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time as Shira discusses how to use a person-centered approach to behavior management with your learners. This CEU is presented by our very own Shira Karpel. You can earn one learning CEU for ACE, QABA, or IBAO. Join us live at this event or to watch the recording asynchronously, go to howtoaba.com forward slash CEU. See you then. Hi, I'm Shira Karpow. And I'm Shana Gaunt, and we're board certified behavior analysts. At How To ABA, we provide practical resources, community, and support to ABA professionals. In each episode of our podcast, we will be having real conversations with real people sharing real stories about ABA. We'll share relevant strategies and actionable tips that will make us all better ABA practitioners. It's the ABA content you need that you're not going to learn in a textbook. As ABA instructors, we typically know all about the terminology of FFCs, right? That's teaching feature, function, and class. However, after teaching our FFCs, what comes next? You know, do you ever have those learners who just can't answer who questions or where questions or what questions once they're mixed and varied? And those students seem to falter and they really just don't understand. So what do we do about that? So typically when people say, hi, how are you? And the greetings, you know, we have a standard answer. It's always fine or good. You know, we never really go, well, actually, do you really want to know how I am? Um, So I feel like when we're teaching WH questions, we're sometimes teaching kids to memorize the answers, right? What do you do with a broom? I sweep the floor. Do they really know what sweep the floor means though? Or, you know, what do you do with this? Do they really know? A lot of that is memorized, memorized, memorized. And then when we start to mix and vary questions, they just can't keep all of that in their heads. So, you know, you say, what do you do with a car? And they say brown because they just are like, wait wait a second, what answer do I give again for that? Um, So we want to start talking about how we can teach kids to set them up for success and really understand WH questions so they're not giving that memorized answer that they were taught to say. And a lot of our ABA assessments and curriculum do focus on language, on different components of language, and they separate them out from receptive, taxing, expressive, all of that. However, if you're writing programs or using programs that are based on an assessment, very often what you find is that you're teaching just receptive categories. You're teaching them just to point to the who or point to the what. Uh, or point to the thing that you drive. And then once they've mastered all that receptively, then you're moving on to another program. Even if you're doing it at the same time, you could be having a receptive program and a tacting program at the same time, but you're running them separately. And so you're looking at teaching those skills separately. However, that's not actually how language develops. So much about language is about the comprehension, not about memorizing the right answer and then, you know, using error correction to get them to the right answer so that they remember it the next time. Um, You can't really teach comprehension that way. They really do have to 
understand it in order for them to give you the right answer. So, you know, we talk about teaching with multiple exemplar and all that, and that's really important, but it's more than that. We need to talk about teaching across operands. And when we say teaching across operands, you know, what that looks like in reality is taking a set of, say, five questions. And instead of just doing, uh, you know, receptive of those five questions and then moving on to another set of five questions and doing more receptive and then more receptive and more receptive with five questions at a time, you take that one set, that first set of five questions and you teach receptively and then you teach expressively and then you teach at an infraverbal level with just those five questions. So for instance, you might say, you know, what do you, I'm drawing a blank now, what do you drink from? And there's a picture of a cup and all they need to do is point to the cup. But you know what, if they verbalize cup as well, amazing. So they point to the cup You say, yes, you're right. You drink from a cup. You hold up the picture at the same time and you say, you're right. You drink from a cup. What is this? A cup. Great. What do you drink from? A cup. Cool. What do you do with a cup? And you can ask all those questions at once because you're teaching across operands. You know, you can even get that intraverbal in there after you've done a little bit of that practice. You know, you can put the picture behind your back or hide it and uh, then ask again, what do you do with a cup? And you do that all the way through for those five questions. And once they're able to do those, then you take the next set of questions. And you do it with that. And when we find when we teach learners across operands, it does take a little bit longer for them to, quote unquote, you know, master, you know, functions of objects, for instance, or fill in that one box of an assessment. But, you know, they're really conceptualizing it and they're learning it. And it's not just a memorized answer. Uh, The other thing that we do is once we get beyond, you know, your typical, okay, I've taught my nouns. So that is what questions I've taught my verbs which is also what, like a what doing question, right? I've taught familiar people, which is who questions. I've taught some places or some rooms, and that's a where question. We start to rotate those in pretty quickly so that students are aware of, okay, the who's, the what's, the where's, and they can answer those in a more fluent way. Yeah, and what I like about our WH questions program is that it really helps the student match those visuals so that a who is... Um, is a person. And so they're starting to also learn that it's not just about seeing or hearing the who and memorizing an answer, but it's about understanding that who is a person. And, you know, a verb is the what doing, and we're kind of incorporating all of that along with the visuals. And what we like about using the visuals is that that also becomes the error correction. So if you've moved up to the point where you are getting to the introverbal of, you know, who works at the police station, um, and they're not getting it, instead of going on that typical error correction and saying, police officer, who is it? It's a police officer, just bring them back a step, bring them back to the expressive level, um, or, you know, bring them back to receptive if they need that. So you're constantly building on those skills. And if they need a little bit of extra support, or a correction, you just take them back a step using that visual that they've kind of you've tried to fade out, bring it back, you know, prompt error corrects, and then and then take it out again. If you've ever listened to Temple Grandin speak, she talks about matching, matching, matching. And what she talks about is that when she was young, she said she had a real difficult time learning specific things. So she says, for instance, dogs. She had a tough time learning what a dog was because dogs can be big, they can be small, they can you know, be different shapes and sizes. So she matched a whole bunch of pictures of dogs versus I think cats or something else. And she realized and she found a pattern. And apparently she says that all dogs have the same nose. But whatever, I I had no idea, but 
that's what she said. And that's what works for her. And now she can identify a dog, but take that further. So, you know, our WH questions program, for instance, we have three pictures out, you know, one is it's to text cues, but one is like a, what, uh, sorry, a who and a what doing and a where, because that's typically how you would build a sentence, right? So, uh, Shira is eating lunch at school. Uh, so, you know, the, the subject or the who, and then the action, the what doing, and the place, the where. And it's always in that same order. So we can teach our kids to develop that pattern as well. And we just have them match a whole bunch of people to the who so that they understand who, oh, person, who, okay, all these people that goes into the who, oh, look, all these verbs, all these actions go into the what doing, oh, and places are where, and they're matching, matching, matching. Um, and once you're able to get that you know, actually at the same time, we're teaching some, you know, answering questions, but the data may only be on the matching component. Once they've got that, they've got a really solid base of conceptual understanding. And, you know, then you can really see it's like, oh, now all of a sudden, you know, your data increase on the actual answering of the question of what are they doing? Because they conceptually understand what are they doing? I, I answer with an action. Um, if you want to see a video of us teaching the WH questions, uh, we actually do have a video on YouTube about that. Um, just search up uh, strategies to teach WH questions to kids using ABA. And there's a whole video of us actually doing that program. And we'll link back here um, in the show notes. But like you were saying, what I love about it is that instead of just typically what we would do as a sorting program is sort by category. So that would be a typical one operant type of program. Now, even though we're sorting by category, we are also pairing it with a who. So if you're sorting people, places, and actions, then you're actually, they're hearing a people's a who, a person is a who, um, your mom is a who, your teacher is a who. And they're also constantly hearing that school is aware and the restaurant is aware and home is aware so that you're starting to build that understanding of it's not just about the sorting, but it's about going to be the labeling and the intraverbals that are coming that you're priming them for. Yeah. And you're following up errorlessly. So they're saying, oh yeah, great. So, you know, a firefighter is a who, if they've got experience with firefighter, right? But a firefighter is a who, you're right. And then exactly then follow up the question of who is it? firefighters so they can hear that natural language and so then you've really built a sentence together and because we're, we're building it in that progression you can follow up with questions about that sentence and you have those visuals there which are again a great way to prompt or error correct if needed um, because you're you're building it in the structure that they would be answering it as well we have visuals as well for wh questions we've made a whole wh question ebook and it's on our website so if you just go to how to aba forward slash shop uh, you'll see our WH questions ebook there, and we can put that in the in the link as well for this podcast. Um, in terms of progression of WH questions, though, I mean, there's a lot more that goes into it besides just a sorting of, of different actions. We're going to be doing a whole webinar on this on Wednesday, December 6th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're listening to this podcast after that date, uh, there will be a recording of that CEU so you can listen to it asynchronously in our membership as well. Um, but that is Wednesday, December 6th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and I'll be going into not only, you know, the WH question sorting, but where do you start with a learner? So, you know, I've got my assessment done and, you know, I'm, I'm done teaching, like I said, my nouns and my verbs and my prepositions and rooms and places, where do you go next? Okay, great. I'm doing my WH sorting. Well, what comes after that? 
when do I teach when questions and when do I teach why questions? And is there a spot in there for WH manding as well and asking for information? When does that come in? Uh, and it's more than we can discuss on this podcast because I think it'll probably take an hour. I could probably do this all day because it's one of my passions. Um, but uh, join us for that webinar for definitely more in-depth detail. We'll also be going through some video examples as well. We've got lots of video examples of us teaching those programs so you can really see it. You know, in our membership, we have, for those of you who are members, we have all these program descriptions available, as well as some content and program material too. Yeah. And the WH Questions ebook, I think is, uh, I mean, it was created by you, by, by Shana. And, you know, we liked it so much. We've had such success with it. I think it was the first product, you know, we ever really put up online when we started sharing our resources and it's still available. There are still, you know, lots of people who continue to, to purchase it and use it. And, you know, because it really is effective. So in the summary today, we talked about teaching kids to answer WH questions. We talked about the progression from nouns to verbs to rooms and places and prepositions, but we also talked about the importance of teaching across offerings. Thanks for joining today's conversation. Wherever you get your podcast, please go and subscribe, rate and review so others can find out about us too. For more from How to ABA, including free resources and ABA materials, visit our blog at howtoaba.com and make sure that you're following us on social media for more practical tips and updates.